All right, well, uh, good morning. I want to extend my uh, welcome to all of you and my congratulations to Paul for lighting that on the first try. Um, well, my name is Paco, and uh, every now and again, they allow me to come up here and speak for a few minutes, as is the case this morning. I get the privilege of working with the high school students here uh, who will be joining us during the second service, so excited for that. But also excited to be here this morning uh, for the fourth uh, Sunday of Advent in our last service before Christmas Eve. And uh, thinking about uh, this idea of love, one of the first people I think of is uh, my wife, who um, this last uh, two months ago, we, we celebrated seven years of being married. And uh, amongst a lot of things, I reflect back on our seven years. There have been ups and downs and, and everything in between. And I also think about oftentimes that season of, of, of planning a wedding, and uh, as always, I think about that, and my concluding thought is always, I'm glad I don't have to do that again. Why planning is a nightmare. And I'm a person that likes planning. Ask anybody who uh, works at the high school ministry. I have spreadsheets for days, and they're color-coded, and uh, I love them. But planning a wedding is a whole different ball game, and especially when thinking about making a guest list. But you got to make this guest list of all these people um, starting with your, the wedding party and, and close family and close friends. And then you've got to think about relatives you haven't even seen in years. You've got to think about second cousins who are basically just strangers you have to hug during the holidays. You've got to think about roommates and, and all these other people. There's like no end of the list of people that you can think of possibly inviting to your wedding. And so the list turns out to be huge. And then you've got to think about who gets a plus one. Is it just spouses? Is it, is it somebody who's been dating somebody for six months? Or do you just sort of just hand out the, the plus ones? Because each one of those costs a little bit of money, you know, and if your budget's tight, you can't do that. And uh, so then at some point, you look at this list and you think about your budget, you think about your venue and say, well, we can't invite everybody. And so you've got to figure out where is this line? Where are we going to draw it? Who's going to get invited and who's not going to get invited? Perhaps maybe even that idea of creating a guest list for a wedding doesn't resonate with you. But probably we've all received invitations for things. So you've made someone's list of, of, of being invited to whatever it is that they're inviting to. But also maybe some of us have not made the cut. Some of us have been discluded from the list. Maybe some of us thought we were going to get an invitation for something, but we ended up, for whatever reason, not getting an invitation for it. And that's one of the other ideas I want to explore this morning, is the idea of invitation. Who's included? Who's not? Who makes the cuts? We're going to find ourselves right in the middle of the, the Christmas story. Mary and Joseph, they've, they've made the journey to Bethlehem because of the census being taken. They've uh, traveled some 70 miles to a town called Nazareth. They, they've arrived there, but because of so many people being called to be registered, there's no place for them to stay. We've heard this story before. They, they end up in something like a cave or somewhere where animals would stay and because there's no proper place because everywhere else is filled up with other people. And that's where Mary gives birth to Jesus. Now, in the same area, there are a group of another, another group of people who are the unlikely recipients of the news of Jesus' birth, but also the invitation to meet this Jesus. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 8. 
It says this, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. So on the outskirts of the town, of the town, there were some shepherds. And uh, now one thing that sometimes we overlook about shepherds is we have to understand that uh, they were on no one's A-list. They were on no one's A-list. They were sort of near the bottom of their time and day social ladder uh, if you think about it, it makes I mean, a little bit of sense. They spend all their time on the out edges of town, hanging out with sheep all day. They, they spend their nights with them, chasing them around. They have sleepovers with them every night, right? Okay, they kind of don't fit in with everybody else. Uh, they were also considered to be on the fringe of society because of that. And on top of all that, sort of culturally, they, they were also outcasts. So oftentimes they wouldn't make it for the, to the temple for sacrifices. They wouldn't make it to the feasts. Why? Because you can't leave sheep unattended. They also couldn't, again, observe the Sabbath. Why? Because you can't leave the sheep unattended. So they were considered in their own culture even as unclean because they could not sort of observe all the religious activities that would make them clean. Also, beyond that, they were also considered to be untrustworthy. So much so to the fact that like, they could not even testify in court. So they were sort of the, the lowest of the low. Uh, if you were a kid at that time and, time and day, you would not aspire to be a shepherd. You'd want something else for yourself, something greater. Anyone here ever uh, played a, a shepherd for a Christmas play? Yeah, you lost. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> So the shepherds are out there, they're shepherding, they're doing their thing, and uh, something happens. Verse 9, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled, filled with great fear. So it's dark, it's quiet, I'm sure with the occasional baying of a sheep, and suddenly an angel appears. It was dark, but now there's light all around these, these guys. They, they aren't accustomed to visitors. No one goes out to visit the guys with the sheep. Like, so they're, they're surprised by that, and they're especially frightened because this is an angel. In verse 10, the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So the angel shows up. They're startled. He says, don't be scared. I love what the Bible says. Is it's sort of like when someone says something rude to you, but they say it before that with all due respect, as if it changes it. So they say, he says not to be scared, but they're still scared. But then he follows up with, I bring you good news. I bring you good news. Who doesn't like good news? No one should raise their hand. Thank you for that. And uh, you never run into anybody, you know, after a particular week and says, hey, you know, I'm having a really bad week. I've just gotten so much good news. Nobody says that. People love good news. Good news brightens your day. It puts a smile on your face, puts you in a good mood. And also it makes you want to tell people about your good news. Like you don't just like want to keep good news to yourself, but you want other people to know. And I think in my adult life, I've discovered that um, this thing about mail like, there's good mail and bad mail, like, that you receive, and they're well, mostly bad now, it's mostly junk, but there's good mail and bad mail, it's like, most of the junk is all, like, bad mail, bills are bad mail, utility bills, all those kind of things, property taxes, you know, bad bills, I don't, no one wants that purple envelope, uh, those are bad things, you don't want those, but on the flip side, there's also good mail, right, this, we're in the season where we're receiving Christmas cards, you want to open those right away, I always hand those straight to my wife, because she gets much joy out of opening those, we get excited about those things, or maybe an invitation, 
or a check even. Um, you like to receive those and you want to open those quickly. Why? Because it's bringing good news. Or even an Amazon package, that little smile, it's like a double whammy if you see it on your porch because that means no one stole it as well. So double good on that one. You want to get the good news. This angel is bringing them, delivering to them this good news. And it's not only good news, but this good news is bringing along with it what's called great joy. I bring you good news of great joy. Now, when we think about that word joy, I think a lot of times the first thing we think of is, is maybe perhaps the word or the idea of happiness. Like maybe because in our culture, we talk a lot about happiness, but a lot less so about joy. I mean, outside of the Christmas seasons, probably you don't really hear the word joy very often in our culture. But the the happiness in the way that we think of it and joy as is being talked about here by the angel is is different. They're different things. The phrase common with uh, happiness for us, especially in the U.S., is what? The pursuit of happiness, right? It's one of the things I think of first when I hear the word happiness. It's in our constitution. There's there's a movie uh, that's called The Pursuit of Happiness. It's almost communicating this idea that happiness is always a moving target, it sort of shifts and changes by season, and you've got to sort of figure out where is happiness and pursue happiness. And, uh, you know, for, for a lot of times that changes, right, from season to season. You might say something like, like right now you may want a really, you want, really want a new phone or a new car, or maybe you really want this, this COVID thing to go away, or you may want this year to be over. You, that would make you the most happy. That's what I want to happen. That would make me happy if this thing happened or I got this thing. But if I ask you the same question next week or next month, that might change what would make you most happy. And certainly it would change if you got that thing. Like if the year is over, or you got a new phone, you'd change what would make you most happy. And, uh, but happiness, right, this pursuit of the constant changing target um, is not the same thing as joy. And there are so many things that promise this happiness. Uh, when I was a, a kid, 12 years old, actually, I got really excited about uh, what I thought was a cool piece of technology. And uh, I was convinced that this was going to be the coolest thing I could ask for for Christmas, even. I put it on my list. It was number one. And uh, it was called a Cybaco. Anybody know what that is? Well, here's a picture of it. Do you still not know what it is? Probably not. That's okay. They didn't sell very many units of this. I was totally wrong about this being the the best, newest thing. Uh, They didn't sell very many. Apparently, it was was a a Russian handheld computer, but it was marketed to teens. And as a 12-year-old, I really, really wanted it. Uh, I thought it was the thing I needed. I thought it was going to be so much fun. I thought it was going to provide for me hours and hours of happiness. It had games. You You could wirelessly communicate to people, though I found out later that it was only within 300 feet and I had no friends within 300 feet. Uh, so I spent a lot of time in chat rooms by myself. And uh, even, it even had a little attachment. You can plug it at the bottom and it was an MP3 player. However, it had no onboard memory. So you had to buy like another card in it. And that was like really expensive. It was like 50 bucks for 32 megabytes, which is like nine songs. And it doesn't matter what nine songs you choose. They get pretty old after a while. So I got it for Christmas though. And I was excited and I busted it open and uh, I got to playing with it, charged it up and messing around with the interface and uh, listened to my nine songs over and over again. And what I discovered after a few days actually was this was a pretty lame gift. (laughs) 
This thing was so lame. Uh, it, uh, I mean, maybe the happiness lasted for about a day uh, or after I got through those nine songs. But after that, it ended up in the drawer, you know, with all the old cell phones and stuff, you know, the flip phones you still have. It's in that drawer now. And what I thought was going to bring me much joy and happiness, it was cool when I opened it. It was cool for another day. But nobody wants to sit in a chat room all by themselves. It totally let me down, and the happiness didn't last very long. And uh, I'm wondering, you know, how many things in our life do we experience like this? You know, not, not devices in the sense, like, maybe, like, we do experience that with devices, but I think about other things, bigger things that we hope for, that we want, like, say, this is the number one thing or the top three things on my happiness list, you know, whether it's a, a promotion or a certain salary or you really want recognition for something or you really want success in a thing or, or you really want to, to achieve a certain thing or you really want this specific acceptance letter or offer letter to come your way and you get it and it's cool for a day or two or a week or a season, but then it's sort of like, well, I'm on to the next thing. Because what I thought would bring me lasting happiness only brought me temporary happiness. And so we move on to the next thing and the next thing because none of those things actually bring us the fulfillment that we're looking for. This great joy then that this angel is talking about is unlike this. It's not like this pursuit of happiness. This, this joy doesn't have to do with the temporary fading things that we might pursue or temporary discomfort either, even. This joy being spoken about is about true contentment. It's a state in perspective. It's, it's an assurance of the hope, peace, and love that only God could bring. This good news is not just for now, but it's for tomorrow and it's for all of eternity. This joy is something that will not fade away. It will not be fleeting it will not fall short of its promise like many other things in my lives do. And so the angel says, this is unlike anything you've heard before. This is great news, and it's going to bring great joy. And who is this for? The angel came to the shepherds. Is it just for them? Is it just for the people above your mark? No. The angel says, this is great news or uh, news of great joy that will be for all people. This is for everybody. And actually in that in itself, the angel is proving it because he's telling the shepherds first. Because if somebody was in that town thinking, I've got this great news. I just got a good piece of mail, whatever it is. I've got great news. I want to tell people. They don't think to themselves, wait, I've got to go tell the shepherds. They would be at minimum an afterthought. But the angel Step for the Lord comes to the shepherds who's on everyone's like back burner list and tells them first, this is unexpected and they are the unexpected receivers of the good news. And the good news is what? We spread it already, but I'll read it again. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Now I'm not gonna fully, fully unpack this. I wanna pull out a couple of things here. The first is the angel says you. The angel says you. said it earlier, bring you good news, and now a Savior is born unto you. This is a personal announcement that the angel has given. The announcement is personal to the shepherds, and, and understanding the full context of the scriptures, and understanding how Jesus' life goes on, and, and what he does for you and I, we know that this, shep, this announcement to the shepherds is also an announcement for you and I, that you can be you and I. This is good news for you and I, because there's a Savior born for us. And we have to understand 
um, that God's not a, a distant or impersonal God. He, he's not a God who wants to, to only get this close to you, stay this far away. He is a personal God who communicates his love and his hope to us and that that love and hope is realized in the person of Jesus who is the savior born for you and for me and for us. He is a savior. A savior not only from this like constant pursuit of of the happiness or the chase of the next biggest and greatest thing, but a savior who reconciles us to God and to an eternity that our hearts truly desire. We, We don't need a new phone or a new car or a pump in our salary. Sure, those things can be nice. Or you don't need a Cybico, really don't need a Cybico. What we need is a savior, someone to save us from our sins, someone to save us from our own attempts to cover up and make up for them, someone to restore peace in our hearts and peace with God. This is what's being announced to the shepherds and what's being announced to us. There is a savior for you. And the angel doesn't just stop there telling you, hey, there's a savior, he's out there, look for him, good luck. The angel doesn't just stop there by announcing the good news, but then extends this invitation to the shepherds to meet the object of it, to meet this Jesus. Verses 12 to 14, it says this, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And verse 13, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The angel gives them a description. Here's how you're going to find this newborn Savior. And then there's a, a quick, maybe the first night of worship, including Jesus there. And uh, then for the shepherds, something has happened. Their night started out probably like normal. They expected things to work out like normal. They got their sheep corralled together. They lit a fire. They probably had dinner um, And they expected the night to go on like normal. But here, something amazing has happened. By the will of God, they've gone through this amazing experience of witnessing the angels, but also hearing this good news, getting an invitation to meet this Savior. This is miraculous and unexpected. It's unexpected. Why? Because again, shepherds don't get invited. Shepherds don't get invited. If you were sending out wedding invitations... You wouldn't send one to the shepherds. Plus, you got to give them like a plus 100. That's expensive. Uh, And uh, if you were throwing a party, they wouldn't make the list. If you were throwing a kid's party, they especially wouldn't make the list. You don't want to invite the weird guy who smells like sheep to your first, your your one-year-old's birthday party. I'm assuming. I don't have a one-year-old, but I would assume that. But this angel is sent by God and communicates the good news to them. And he tells them how to find Jesus. And here's what we all need to hear and know. Jesus invites everybody. Everyone is invited to meet Jesus. Whether you are rich or or poor or young or old, whether you are popular and well-liked or unpopular, whether you um, are employed or unemployed, all colors, all backgrounds, definitely people with beards, but also those without Uh, Whether you're housed, unhoused, all of us are invited into the presence of Jesus. We are invited to meet Jesus. And listen, there is no like prequisite. There's nothing that we need to do before being invited to Jesus, to being able to be in his presence. There's nothing that we need to fix. We don't need to sound a certain way. We don't need to look a certain way. We don't need to do all these, this list of things. All we need to do is to recognize our need for a savior 
and to realize his sufficiency as our Savior. Everyone is invited to meet Jesus. All we need to do is recognize our need and realize his sufficiency. So then, they've received this announcement. They've received this invitation. How does this play out for the shepherds? Uh, Looking at verse 15 to 20. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Again, the shepherds' night started out as normal, but now they've seen angels, they've heard the good news, received an invitation, and they believe the angel, which if you can't believe an angel, who can you believe? They decide to go over to Bethlehem to see if this is all true. Verse 16 And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So the shepherds, they go and they see, they go quickly. They find Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus, just as they've been told. The text doesn't give us a lot of details about everything that goes on there, but I'm willing to bet there's an amazing conversation that happens there about what just unfolded, what the shepherds just saw, what they experienced, what they heard about Jesus And they likely told Mary and Joseph all they experienced and the angel had told them. This is probably an amazing thing for them to hear as they are just still discovering what exactly this all means for them. And certainly this is part of what Mary was treasuring in her heart. So then for the shepherds, they heard the good news. They accepted the invitation to meet Jesus and they find him just as they were told. What is their response? They make known all the things that have been told them concerning the Savior. They talked about Jesus. They, they, they told people what they knew about Jesus based on what, that was, what was told them. And our account of the shepherds ends with them returning to their flock. They, they go back to their work. They go back to their sheep. They go back to their lives. But the difference is they are now glorifying and praising God. They have a new found joy. Before this, this night, they had little to, 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 to nothing or maybe very little to, to praise God for. They very well could have been unhappy about the way their lives were going, unhappy about how the way things ended up for themselves. They could have wished that they, things had worked out differently, but all that's changed here. Are they still shepherds? Yeah, they're still shepherds. Has people's view of them changed? Probably not. But their attitude towards life And hope, has it changed? Absolutely. They now have a new hope and a new perspective and a new eternity because they met the Savior. They accepted the invitation. They met him. And now their lives and eternity are changed. What does that mean for us as we reflect on this story? I suppose there's two things I would like to leave us with. It depends on where you are at with the Lord. Maybe you're here this morning or, or, or watching online and, and maybe you feel like you've been at it day after day. And this idea of, of good news is, is a foreign concept to you. you. You work day after day, you do your best to provide for yourself, maybe for those that you love. You're pursuing happiness and trying to fill this desire to be whole or content 
But even with all the effort, even with all the stuff, maybe your heart is longing for more. I want to say that there is good news for you. A Savior is born for you. And he didn't come to, to add to your burden, to add an extra thing to your plate, but to give you a peace perspective and hope beyond the stuff, beyond the work, beyond the pursuit. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If we accept the burden of the world, it is heavy. And the yoke of the pursuit of all those things, it, it always pulls us back, but the yoke of Jesus is light. His burden is light. And he humbly comes into this world as a savior for you and for me. And if you've not met Jesus, if you've not accepted that invitation, I invite you to. I invite you to experience the love of God, to experience the love of God by accepting his invitation as Andy, as we began watching with that video, reminded us that God so loved you that he sent his son. And that when we place our faith in him, he gives us new life and resides in us. And if you've never placed your faith in Jesus or the idea of having a personal relationship with him is, is foreign, I want to extend another invitation. Come up and talk to one of us. Myself, one of the other pastors, about what that means. This is the most important decision we could ever make, responding to the invitation to meet our Savior, to meet Jesus. And he invites all of us to do so. And maybe you're here this morning and... Uh, you have experienced the good news. You've heard the good news. You've experienced the joy of having a savior. You've responded to that invitation. What I would say to those of you who fall into that category is to make known the love of God. To make known the love of God by sharing about Jesus, by speaking of his goodness in your life, by speaking of how he's healed you, how he's brought you hope, by speaking and sharing of, of how much joy you have because of him and to then extend that invitation for others to experience that. To experience his body, whether that's at your home or on a retreat or even here at PBC, I've um, shared a little about my own story before. I didn't grow up in the church, uh, a space and a place and even something like this would have been foreign to me growing up. Um, I didn't come to faith until I was in high school, but as I look back on my own faith journey, I see faithful people along the way showing me the love of God. I think about the, the family that lived across the street, the Wallers. I was friends with their son. They were Christian, and they invited me into their home for meals, and they modeled prayer. They invited me on vacation with them and to retreats where they knew I would encounter God. I didn't respond to, that, to, to the calling then, but they showed me God's love and planted seeds for me. I think of going to high school and having a, a friend named Nick who was kind of a fringe friend who said, hey, uh, I've been experiencing this thing with a group. You should come. Ultimately inviting me to a retreat where I would hear the gospel for the first time and respond to the invitation to meet Jesus. And having leaders who would include me, even though I looked different than maybe the rest of the students did. And I want to say this is an exciting thing for us, that we have the opportunity to play a role in the life and eternity of somebody in our life, that God would use you and I to be an extension of himself 
to have somebody respond to his invitation to meet them through the love that you have shown them. This is an exciting thing and one that I hope that we all feel the invitation to participate in, again, to extend that invitation for others to meet Jesus and be experiencing his body through us, but also through our fellowship together. So again, whether you are far from God, I invite you to experience the love of God by accepting his invitation. And if you've already accepted that invitation to make known his love to those around you. I would love to pray for us this morning um, because I think, again, that's an exciting thing. I'm here today. My life has changed as Andy was sharing because of the love of God and encountering him. And certainly because there are faithful people who extended that invitation to me as well. So let's, uh, let's stand. I would pray for us and let's uh, continue our worship together with much joy. God, we, uh, we give you so much thanks and praise that you are a good God, that you came down to us to live and to love and to show us how to live and to love. God, thanks that you extend an invitation to all of us, that all of us are on your guest list. That you don't say to anybody, fix this or fix that or change this before coming to you, God. But you invite us to yourself as we are. And that when we meet you, when we know you, when we accept you as our Lord and Savior, you bring about much love and much joy into our life, not only in this lifetime, but for all eternity. God, thank you that you've called so many of us, Lord. I pray for those who have not accepted invitation, God, that you would continually reveal yourself to, to us, Lord, and to them. And God, that would you encourage us and give us the boldness, give us the words to be an extension of you. That we can share about the love that we've experienced. That we can share about our own encounter with you. That your kingdom might be built here in this world and that sinners would say yes to you and be made righteous and be called saints. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's join our voices in celebrating the love of our Lord, declaring his joy and the opportunity we have to be that same joy to the world. Let's sing this together. <laughs>